Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is, how will the mark of the beast be introduced? In other words, is it going to be a world government come along and then they immediately come out with the mark of the beast? Is it going to be the quantum financial system come along? And then is it going to be something like instantly or is it going to be overnight? Is it going to be more like the anti-V or is it going to come along slow? I think this guy's vision answers a lot of those questions. Comes to us from Bob Faulkner, October 17th, 2021. Now, you know there's some words I can't say, okay, so we call it the anti-V. It's entitled, The Anti-V to the Mark and to Beheading. I was in the house with my wife sitting in my favorite chair, and we heard a knock at the door. I opened the door, and there were two men dressed in black police uniforms. They asked if we were both in the house and let them in, and they served us with papers that were warrants for our arrest. We were handcuffed and taken to some kind of building I later recognized as the fairgrounds of the National Guard Armory in my hometown. They led me to a room and had me wait for an interrogator. I came into the room where there was, uh, there was only a chair and a plain table sat down to a, a face to a stern-looking man reminding me of the World War II Nazis like Himmler and Eichmann. I never saw my wife again ever after that day. The interrogator said, Do you know why you're here? I said, not really, like I didn't really know, but I did. The interrogator said, you're here because you have not obeyed the requirement for the anti-V. You know, I can't say the word, right? Okay. I replied that I didn't feel that I needed it. He emphasized that everyone had to take it or be detained. I said emphatically, I was not going to take it. The interrogator asked me why I wouldn't take the anti-V. And I told him I knew of many people who had suffered adverse reactions from taking it. And more than a few had died from complications after taking it. I also told him that I felt a deep conviction of my faith in God, that the ingredients in the, can't say it, anti-V were not something that I wanted injected into my body. I pointed out that the use of the fetal cells and the DNA changing effects of it, but he didn't seem to care about my explanation. Now, Obviously, I think that it's saying that this thing that we're in, this anti-V thing, is a step in that direction. Let me make it clear. It is not the mark of the beast. I'll say it again. It is not the mark of the beast. But I do think it's a step in that direction. Let's go on. The interrogator slapped down a syringe on the table in front of me and said, all you have to do is to take this anti-V and we'll let you go home. He said they would put a mark on me that showed that I had taken it. It would be on my wrist or my forehead. He explained that the mark was invisible and in normal light. You could not see it. But with a black light, you'd be able to see it. I knew what the mark was, but I didn't say anything about the mark. I told him that I objected putting anything into my body that changed my DNA. He said I didn't, it didn't change DNA, but there was only a temporary effect. I knew this was not true, but said nothing to argue. I went on to say uh, that your DNA can't, had come from God, and because we had made in the image of God when Adam was created, he didn't have any response, but just looked at the syringe on the table as if he would stare at me, stare me down in order to get me to agree. I went on further to say that our bodies are considered the temple of God since the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and that we're to keep the temple of God clean. He finally said he really didn't care about that explanation, but I could, but I could end it all by just taking the anti-V. 
He said, we'll give you some time to think about it, and that he would see me again in about a week or so. They took me back to the building that I had some openings, and they were closed off by heavy fencing. There was no way to escape. There were no bunks or places to lay down to rest on or nothing to do except talk with the other detainees. There were only men at this building, and I didn't find anyone that I knew, which I thought was strange. We were all in clothes we wore when we were detained. I stayed in this building, which had no heat, for about a week until the guards came to get me and take me back to the interrogator. They took me back to the same room that I had been taken originally from, sat me down in the same chair. The interrogator came in, and the one that looked at me, the one that looked like a Nazi, asked if I had time to think about my decision. I told him my thoughts about taking the anti-V had not changed, and that this was a deep-held conviction because I was a follower of Yeshua, it seemed bored with me. He seemed bored with me, with all of this, like it was going nowhere for him. He again emphasized just taking the anti-V would get me all over this. I just sat there for a moment, and he said, We have talked to your wife and told her about the anti-V. She took it in order to see your grandkids. Down deep, I knew he was lying. But I didn't react to what he had said, because I knew in my heart, that my wife would never take it. He said, if I would just take the anti-V, all of this would be over. I could go home to be with my wife. I knew that even if she had taken the anti-V, that I was still not going to give in. He explained that his wife would be glad to see me if I would just take the anti-V. I could go home and rejoin my family. In my heart, I knew that this was the time that I had to take a stand for what I believed. There was no going back from relenting in my decision. I was resolved not to give in, or even if that meant not ever seeing my wife ever again. A scripture came to my mind, and I could not remember where it was from, but it goes like this. Therefore, put on the full arm of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. I later found this in Ephesians 6.13. The emphasis is that after you've done everything, stand. That's why I had resolved to do no matter what. I felt he would eventually get to this, but it was to be expected. I knew that Pastor Benny would be a target also. He asked if I knew Benjamin, and I said, yes, I do. And he said, how do you know him? And I said, well, we're in the same church together. He asked, uh, who other members in the church were, and I said, I don't remember. The interrogator said, if you, will t- if you will tell us who they are, then we will just let them go if they have, if, if they have taken the, uh, the anti-V. I said, well, I don't really know how to get in touch with anyone. They knew that I knew, but I wasn't going to give any of the names up. The interrogator said that someone had told him that they once visited our church, and that the Pastor Benny had said we were an underground railroad for Jews. Is this true, he asked. What does that mean? I didn't say anything about helping the Jews to get to their homeland and giving them assistance to get the points further south in order to leave was part, any part of what we do or are committed to do. He knew enough that I knew that he would be looking for anyone involved in trying to leave the country without taking the anti-V. I didn't respond to any of this questioning, but only as I was a member of this church. Then the interrogator asked if I knew Ron and Celine in Israel, and I said yes. They are friends of ours. He said, 
do they participate in smuggling Jews to Israel? I said, I don't know. He seemed frustrated at my unwillingness to be helpful, but he was calm and didn't get violent. He asked why we were friends and with, and as as if I had something that he knew that was illegal and being kept secret by knowing them. He seemed to be aware of some common unknown relationship that was hiding the truth, something illegal that we have been doing. I played dumb and didn't say anything about what our relationship to them were, that just having met by providence at a point in the early development of our church. He asked if we had ever gone to the place in Israel and were told some divine mandate by the church to go underground and be part of the smuggling operation. I said I didn't know anything about that. I knew that he must have talked to someone who had been part of our church. I'm going to skip part of it. The interrogator said, if you don't do this now, we will have to take you to a permanent detention center. He made one last plea, saying that my wife would be home if I would let them give you the give me the MTV. I knew that he would what what she would do, and that she did the same thing. I told them that my faith as a believer in Yeshua would not let me do something like he wanted. He finally left and told the guards to send me to one of the permanent detention centers. A few days later, I was taken to a detention center near Pine Bluff, Arkansas, to what used to be an arsenal for chemical weapons. The camp wasn't much different from the temporary camp at this other place, but it was much larger. I could not tell how big or how many people were there. No women were there, and I couldn't detect that I could detect anywhere. It was an all-male facility. The interrogator said, If you don't do this now, we'll have to take you to a permanent detention center. He made one last plea, saying that I could go home to my wife if I would let them give me the anti-V. I knew what my wife would do, and I did the same thing. I told them that my faith as a believer in Yeshua would not let me take something that would change my DNA. He finally left and told the guards to send me to one of the permanent detention centers. There, we were all standing up for our faith because of what God had put in our hearts to know. It was like the anti-V of adrenaline to know that everybody was standing firm and that others were doing the same. This was the most important part of the detention because it was a matter of either you trust in Jesus or you don't. It was a point of proof that I really trusted the Savior who died for me or not. I had to trust in him for what I believed and there was no way that I was going to quit now. I'm not a quitter. No turning back. I'm also reminded of the people who would renounce the Savior. This really troubled me that some I had known just that and gave up their faith. They had taken the mark and though they could not and, and, and thought they could still live for Jesus. After I had been at this camp for about six months, I was taken to another interrogator who was a twin of the first only in my hometown. The only thing was I never saw his face. I was always looking down. He brought up the question of why I was not taking the anti-V. And I told him, like the first interrogator, that it was my faith in Jesus that prevented me from doing anything that would change my DNA. He put a syringe on the table in front of me and said, if you will take this, it will all be over. He said there was a, a little capsule in the injection that would have a record of when I took it, and they could trace always and prove that I had taken the anti-V. I just looked down and thought, I have come too far to give it up now. I'm not going to change my mind. I told him my mind was not changed and that it was my decision. After I said that, he said, you will be taken for execution tomorrow and we will just close your case. I didn't respond.
but just kept looking down. The guards in the room discussed if a shooting squad would be used, and they decided that they would take me to another building where I was located. The next day, they took me to a room in that building and showed me a table, which I was to lay down on. There was a rack with a blade next to the table that they brought me over that they brought over my head after I was strapped face down. They secured the tower with me that was clearly a guillotine to the head of the table I was laying on, and they told me, just relax, and it would be over quickly. I heard the blade release, and the next thing I realized that I'm meeting Jesus. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those were the sweetest words I'd ever heard. He told me to go visit my parents and my grandparents and my son, Michael, who were already there. What a blessing this was to be in his presence with my family. Now, let me say again, I do not think, I'll say it again, I do not think that the anti-V is the mark, but I do think that it is leading to it. I do not plan to get one myself, and uh, maybe that's all I should say. Um, I'm just, I'm simply not going to take it. Now, the whole point of where we're going here is to build our faith. The time to decide that we're not going to deny Jesus is not when we're standing in the shadow of the guillotine. It is now when we're sane, when we're thinking clearly, when we can say, in that moment, I will have already made my decision not to do it. Now, here's a very good, important vision. David Phillips works for his part-time prophecy club. He says, please understand I'm sharing this to the best of my memory as I was a relatively new believer in Jesus at the, at the time and had never experienced like anything like this before. This was an open vision while I was awake. I was in a church, Catholic at the time. When I stood up, a vision immediately began. In the vision, I saw what looked to be like a movie screen directly in front of me. Then, the left and the right sides of the screen expanded at the same time what looked like forever. Also, the top and the bottom to the movie screen expanded to what looked like forever. I was no longer thinking about the church service. All I saw or was thinking about was this vision in front of me as it played. The vision was that I was, um, was I saw a new pope. The pope that I saw was standing in front of great masses of people in Italy at the Vatican. He was high so that he could speak to the people directly. There was great excitement in the crowd because of the pope, because the papacy had finally returned to Italy. He looked younger than past popes, not frail. He was maybe in his 30s or 40s with dark hair, dark hair dark facial hair. Now, here's a key point. What greatly troubled me were the words he was shouting. His words were not of love and kindness, as with past popes I'd seen. He was threatening and attacking the Protestants, shouting that the true church must rise up and unite against the Protestants. He was shouting that the Protestants were not true believers, but rather unbelievers. The crowd was shouting with rage and hatred in support of him and his words. He said the penalty for them must be death. Now, I think of all of the things that we've had come through the Prophecy Club, I think this is one of the more important ones because it gives a clear picture. You remember Revelation 13 says he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power is given to him to continue 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God. To blaspheme his name is tabernacle and then that dwell in heaven. This is a good example of what it's talking about. So this is not of his own. God gives the Antichrist a mouth. 
a mouth so that all those that not come to the knowledge of the truth would believe a lie and be damned. You wouldn't think it'd be that way. But God's serious. He has offered his son as a perfect sacrifice to wash our sins away. He's offered it for 2,000 years. He's held his hand out. And how many times has our hand, his hand been slapped? People refused it. So he's basically saying, okay, you, free, you refused my son. You refused my free gift. Now I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you a man of the flesh, a handsome man. Looks good, sounds good. I am going to give him a mouth, speaking great things. And then you will believe that and be lie and be damned. Just like it says, I will send them a strong delusion so that all that have not come to the knowledge of the truth will believe a lie, this, and be damned. This is the strong delusion. Now, let's go on. So the crowd was shouting with rage and hatred in support of him and his words. He said the penalty for them must be death. The people were in complete agreement with this. They had been called to action, and the entire world would now rise in power to kill Protestants in all nations. The words he spoke were so frightening that I cannot explain how mere words, and this is what Ken Peters said also, mere words can be so powerful in developing a reaction in you. It was unlike anything I'd ever witnessed before. In other words, if a person is not already saved by the time they see the Antichrist, see the beast, they probably will not be saved. You can't sit there and think, oh, yeah, well, well, you know, when the tribulation comes along, when they see the Antichrist, then they're going to get saved. Probably not. Once they see this guy, they're going to be mesmerized, and they're going to be taken by his words. Somehow I knew in my heart that it was talking about killing us, the true believers, who are far fewer in number. I knew that what he was saying was the opposite of the truth, but the people believed him. I thought, but we are the true believers. Life on earth had changed forever. I thought, well, we will now be hunted and killed for our faith around the world. What? Let's read that again. We will now be hunted and killed for our faith around the world. I'm not ready for this. All of a sudden, the screens came in. The vision ended. I was standing back in church, sweating from the vision. <coughs> I did not know how long the vision lasted. I was so thankful that I was back in the church because persecution of the tree believers had not yet started. At this time, Pope John II, Paul II was still alive. Now, the point is this. If you've not received Jesus, better get after it. If you have friends, neighbors, loved ones, church friends, work friends, business friends that have not received Jesus, it's time to stop dropping hints. It's time to start talking rather direct. Because if they haven't accepted him by the time this beast arrives, and I, I can't promise you he's not going to arrive in 2022. As a matter of fact, if you go by what Shane Warren says, that's exactly when he arrives. Now, he doesn't say it in that words, but in so many words, that's exactly what he's saying. Now, I was made to know that our only option is to run and hide, but they will discover you that all when the world is turned to the beast, there is nowhere to hide. They will find you. Our only hope is to trust in Jesus with our death. Now, God has led me to do this. I, we started a thing called Joseph's Kitchen. Now, this is actually a loaf of bread that I baked. I guess I baked this about a week ago. 
And in my opinion, there are very few things in life that taste better than fresh, hot, homemade bread. You just take it out of that, slice it, put on a little butter. And, I mean, it fills the whole house with a wonderful smell, and uh, everybody wants a piece. But anyway, it is also what I believe to be famine food. I I believe it is God's famine food. Let me say it again. I believe that wheat or bread made from wheat is God's famine food. You go back and look at Pharaoh had the dream. Joseph interpreted. They stored up wheat for seven years, and then for seven years, wheat fed them. So we've started Joseph's Kitchen so that we can teach people how to go back to making and living off of bread. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, was that also saying that in those days, most people, that's what they lived on? Pretty much bread? So if you go to Joseph's Kitchen, it looks like this. Here's what you do. You go to the machines package, and you click and order one of these. This is all the things that you're going to need to take it from wheat berries into flour, and then at a push of a button, two hours and 20 minutes later, you have a loaf of bread like you saw. Then you're also going to need to decide how many people you're going to be feeding. These are the food packages. Two people one year, four people one year, six people one year. So you decide how much, how many people you want to feed for a year. You click on one of these and you order it, and we send you everything you need, even send the beakers, even send the uh, the thermometers, everything you need to get started. The two people one year, here's what's in it. It's 937. You know what that's meaning? That means that it's it's about in the ballpark of $2,000 to feed two people for a year. Compare that to $20,000, what mo- most other people sell their, their wares for. Here's another one. This is four people one year. And it's in the ballpark of around $3,000 by the time you get all the shipping and the tax and the mechanicals and everything on there. Here, this is six people one year, which runs nah, around the $4,000 ballpark total, 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 total. But anyway, go to josephskitchen.com and check it out, josephskitchen.com. So what we're asking you to do today is to get this book in DVD. Now, hang on, hang on. I'm going to put a challenge out there. I've had several emails come to me lately, and people will be repenting. I've been watching you for for years, and I never sent a donation until right now. And, oh, I'm really sorry. I know I should have a long time ago. But anyway, here's my donation. So let me first speak to all of the people that have never supported this ministry. I'm going to ask you this time to consider supporting it. And it's not about money. I want to get you excited about proving that the Bible is true. I think you will be so amazed by this book. It's it's book and DVD. This book is just high. Well, here's the picture of what we were just talking about. High quality, full color photographs, eight and a half by 11. Big, I mean, really nice stuff. And when I saw this book, I said, oh, I got to have it. <laughs> I got to have it because I've been there. I mean, less than I've been there. We, we know this stuff's true. We've been there. You know, we got our own photographs, a lot of this stuff. This, if we really are in the last days, and I think we both believe we are, then, see, God has put archaeological evidence into the earth to convince those people that will be convinced, some people you never convince. 
And what this book and DVD are is some is 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 giving you the ability to put in your hands the ability to explain the validity and the truth of the Bible. Now, here's what we're asking. Okay, so the book is seventy five dollars, but you can buy your three thousand dollar airline ticket. You can go to Turkey. You can go to Israel. You can spend four or five thousand dollars looking for this stuff. You won't find it. You will not find it. I'm telling you right now. You will not find the things that are in this book because you won't have God guiding you and directing you. Some places you can't even get into today. So for $75 for that book, bargain. Bargain. It's about winning souls. Now this is a three and a half hour double DVD. Now it's only one disc. It's not two discs. It's one disc. But it's a, a double layer. It's three and a half hours. And this explains the things that are in the book. So you need both. Don't think about getting one or the other. Get both. So we're doing this. The DVD is 50. The book is 75, but you can get both of them for a $100 donation at prophecyclub.com. Now, I got the, the box behind me to show you. We just got them in. We just got them in at the, at the, at the warehouse, and we are all ready to ship book and DVD. All you got to do is go to prophecyclub.com. And place your order, and if you want to, you can even have them overnighted to you. As you recall, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to refresh your memory. Okay, so the story was the Pharaoh in Joseph's day. So he has two dreams. The first one, he sees seven fat cattle and then seven lean cattle. Then he sees seven good ears of corn, and the seven bad ears of corn. And he sees that the seven bad ears eat up the good ears. He couldn't get anybody to interpret it. So finally, he finally turns to the man of God. Joseph, he said, can you explain? He says, yeah, the two dreams are one message. And the one message is saying, God has shown the Pharaoh what he's going to do. He's going to bring seven years of plenty, which will be followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh says, what should I do? Now, listen to this word, wheat. He said, store up wheat. And so what they did in those days, and Ron White said he found the place where they stored these massive amounts of wheat. So they stored up, during the seven years of plenty, 20%, not 10%, but 20% what came in, they brought it all in. They were commanded to bring it all in. During the seven years of famine, that wheat fed the world. That wheat, not rice. Not beans, not freeze-dried food, <laughs> wheat. Wheat fed the world. And that is also what happened to bring the wealth of the world into Egypt. Why? Because the Jewish people were living there and God was blessing them. Genesis 41, 54, 54 goes on to tell more about it, but here's the point is. He says, that the seven years of dearth began to come. According to Joseph, it said, And the dearth was in all the land, but in the land of Egypt there was rice cakes. No. Freeze-dried food. No. What is it that God uses to take care of his people in the famine? Well, the biblical example is bread. Genesis 41, 55 goes on to say, When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for wheat, wheat bread. So what do you suppose, in the seven years of famine in the last years, what do you suppose we should have to prepare for seven years of famine today? Perhaps the same thing? Wheat? Let's go on. 
So here's what we've done. Now, I'm going to put up a video. It's about an hour long, and I'm going to explain this in detail, so I'm not going to go into it some, a whole lot here. But God has directed us to begin offering a way to where you can use wheat to feed you and your family, which is probably the cheapest and the best thing, in my opinion, out there, to have during a famine. So we've started a website, and I'm very excited to finally bring this to you. Hopefully it is all up and working come Monday when you watch this broadcast. But what you do to go to the website, and it's josephskitchen.com. josephskitchen.com. You go there, and the first page is going to look like this. So what you do, well, actually it's not the first page, but you click on Shop, and then it'll pull up this page. Then you click on, right here, Machines Package, and it'll take you to a page that looks like this. First thing you have to do is get the machines because wheat has two weaknesses. One is it's difficult to eat the wheat berries. That's what they call them, not wheat seeds, but the wheat berries. You have to grind them up from the berries into making wheat flour to make the bread. And mechanical devices, uh, maybe I'll talk about that later, but they, they don't cut it. You have to have some kind of electric mill to take it from the berries to the flour. So what we've done is put together a package. Here's the mill. This grinds. We're going to send you a mill uh, to grind it to flour. Then we're going to send you a bread maker so that you put all the ingredients in here, push a button, two hours and 20 minutes later, you got a nice, hot, steaming loaf of bread. And it is good. We're also going to send you a bread slicer with a knife. So you can slice it up, a thermometer that you will use in the making of it, and also a set of beakers. I'm going to send you everything you need plus instructions on how I have made over 50 loaves of bread. I had two slices this morning for breakfast and lunch. That's what I had. Matter of fact, that's the primary thing I'm eating anymore. So it's not just survival food. It's stand daily food. Okay, so first thing you need is a set of machines. Now, those will last for a long time, perhaps several years. We don't know how long, but anyway. First thing you need to get a machines package. Next thing is you need to get the wheat and all of the ingredients. So you're going to order, if you have a mom and dad in a home, you'll order people a f food for at least two people for one year. That's 937 or a figure about 1000 bucks. And they, we send you the wheat in the pails so that the mice and the, it doesn't go bad, and it should last 7 to 10 years. Send you all of the ingredients you need, and you just click on Add the Cart. And also, if you want to have food for four people, then it's a little bit more. If you want to have food for six people, it's a little bit more. Now, you compare that. Okay, so you got to have the, the mechanicals, which is about 800. And then you have to have the actual food. Two people one year is about $2,000, including shipping, that kind of a ballpark. Four people one year is about 3000 Six people one year is about 4000 But if you compare that, to what it costs in other places, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find that most of them cost about $10,000 per year per person. This is about $1,000 a year per person. What? Yeah, about $1,000 a year per person. So at that, <laughs> what we're offering you is about 10 times less than what all of these other survival food places, all these people selling survival food, my opinion, they're not doing it right. They're offering things that are very, very expensive. You shouldn't have to pay $10,000 a year to feed one person. 
But in most cases, it is. However, with wheat, if you do it our way, and it's not only is better for you, as the video I'm going to post up here, if you'll go watch it, it'll explain to you, but it's also far cheaper. So what do you do? I'd recommend that you go to josephskitchen.com. I'll back up here. There you go, right there. josephskitchen.com. Take some time exploring through it. What you want to do, if you've got, um, say, a mom and a dad, or if you've got, if you've got three people, matter of fact, if you got two people in there, you might even want to order the four people one year package. Just make sure you got plenty. But definitely, if you've got more than two people in your home, you definitely want to get the four people one year package. If you've got, say, mom and dad and two or three kids, uh, you definitely want to get the six year package. But here's the thing. For about $4,000 to $4,500, you can feed them all for a year. <laughs> Nothing else comes close. You can compare that. Most of the time, you'll spend $60,000 to feed six people for a year, not $4,000. Josephskitchen.com, best deal out there, I think. Now, maybe somebody who got a better deal. <laughs> uh, they haven't searched everything, but I doubt it. God used wheat in the days of Joseph to feed the world for seven years, and I think he's going to do it once again. So our prices are about $2,000 a year, two people, about $1,000 a year per person, okay? Yeah, give or take, about $1,000 a year. So you got six people to feed, yeah, less than $6,000. Berkey water filters have arrived. You see, most companies these days are out of Berkey water filters, but... We just got a new shipment, Berkey Water Filters at prophecyclub.com. So, Leslie Johnson, I'm a prophecy student. Why should I come to your Train the Prophets? The reason you want to come to Train the Prophets is because you want to do more work for God. You want to be trained and equipped. And this is a safe place to come. You'll be able to prophesy more accurately. You'll know how to lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. But you're going to also know how to hear the voice of the Lord and be more accurate and understand He is speaking. That's why you want to come to Train the Prophets. Go to traintheprophets.com. The good news is EMP Shield has devices the military testing facility says protect 100% against EMP, solar flares, lightning, power surges, backed by a 10-year warranty and a $25,000 insurance policy. View simple video installation instructions for home, vehicles, RV. You can have electricity in a blackout. Use the promo code PROPHECY for a $50 gift card and it helps your prophecy club. These days, emergency food is mostly sold out, but HeavensHarvest.com has all sorts of emergency supplies and food in stock. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN at HeavensHarvest.com. Promo code STAN. Terry Sock is a prophecy student, and he reads his King James Bible, and he believes in winning souls so much, he is supporting the Prophecy Club so that we can win more souls. So if you want to support someone that loves prophecy and wants to win souls, I'm going to send you to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, where you can get all sorts of precious metals, gold, silver, rhodium, palladium, and things like that. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com.
click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.